and welcome to the very first ever episode of Sage Advice. I am your host, Sin Sage, and today we have a super awesome guest, a very good friend of mine, Kaya Eve. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so please, Kaya, I would love for you to tell our listeners here all about what you do, what you've done, those sorts of things. <laughs> okay. Well, first and foremost, I am a porn star and a professional dominatrix. I started in October of 2017. And that's when I was living in Denver. And I did camming, clips, sing, like things like that. Uh, kind of started off slow, girl, girl. And then once I hit a stopping point, you know, in Denver, it just kind of felt like there wasn't much left there because there's just content, which is great in its own way, but I wanted to do more. Um, and I had actually been in talks with Ariel from Evolved Wrestling, shout out Evolved Wrestling. I really, really, really wanted to wrestle. That was something that was like really on my radar. So I got my ass in gear, moved to Vegas in 2019 and started doing professional girl-girl porn. Somewhere in there, I won a uh, Why Not Cam Award for Multi-Platform Master. Just means that I've still to this day, if you go and look at thekaieve.com, you will find all of my many platforms that I like to regularly update. Kind of after that, I realized I could do bigger and better things. And I expanded into doing boy-girl content in 2020 and did my first big boy-girl mainstream stuff in 2021, signed to um, an agency. Things have been steady before and after I joined my agency. You know, it is what it is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still with an agency. However, I still make content too. To this day, I love making content. I'm actually in LA getting ready right now to go do a really amazing content girl, girl, girl shoot, which will be super fun and wet. I mainly these days, uh, when I'm not shooting content, I actually work for this company out in Vegas called Las Vegas Bachelor Girls. So you can come and hang out with me in Vegas and party with me through this company which is pretty cool. And um, I work for browsers now. So that's really exciting and a big monumental move in my career after being an extra for them uh, for an entire year, like 30 times. Um, But here we are. So if there's anything more we want to talk about, you know, just, just ask, but that's like the brief, like very mundane rundown. But if you want to know like things about Kai Eve, I am a size queen. I can fit three, I can fit three dicks in my pussy. Um, yes. I do not do anal. I have no desire to do anal, and I haven't ever had a desire to do anal. So if that ever changes, the porn world will be the second to know because I'll be getting fucked <laughs> in my ass in my personal life first. Well, yeah. Hopefully, we can come yeah. back to. There's so many anything. things that, that you yeah, come back to anything. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot. That's a good basic rundown. I'm 4'11. I have tattoos. Yes. That's a very that's a very big part, unfortunately, to my brand. I wish that it wasn't such a big part of my brand that I have tattoos and it wasn't such a taboo thing still. But nonetheless, yeah. here I am still killing it. And 
yeah, I could, I, I said, oh man, I'm going to have such a hard time talking about myself, but I guess I could talk about myself forever. So yeah. anyways, I'll stop <laughs> so you can ask questions. <laughs> well, I think that's, you know, that kind of comes with the territory of being a, an adult entertainer. We do sort of reach a point where we can say a lot about ourselves. <laughs> yeah. And keep like, going. Oh, wait, going. I, yeah. Wow. I have so much to say. Yeah, um, which is awesome because this is a podcast. So, <laughs> so first of all, you said that you really, really wanted to wrestle, and you mentioned yeah. Ariel, and of course, I know you're talking about Ariel X, who yes. is someone who has also been in the industry. I want to say like just about as long as I have, um, almost yeah. twenty years. So, yeah. and she is like a bodybuilder, and she's really uh, amazing at Girl Girl, but has obviously worked her way up to. Um, you know, she was directing for some wrestling sites uh, like Ultimate Surrender, Academy Wrestling. And then she was like, why don't I do my own wrestling site? Yeah. And, and that's been to great success. So, um, but for some listeners who might be just hearing wrestling and thinking WWE and what does that mean <laughs> that these porn girls are doing wrestling? Um, maybe you can sort of describe it a little bit. I know for me, like I've done fetish wrestling that goes from, you know, fully clothed, you know, no butt cracks, no nipples showing all the way up to the explicit stuff like working for Ariel's site. So yeah, to the to the listeners here, I would never in a million years consider myself an actual wrestler. I call myself a sex wrestler. I have never learned how to properly fight or be trained in a mat or a ring to actually wrestle. I quite literally came in as a rookie and I just have crazy strength for being 4'11". I'm really strong and I think I've only lost two or three of my girl-girl matches and I believe I've wrestled for Ariel like 13 or 14 times. That's so many times. <laughs> yeah, and I and I do the boy girl side as well, but I've I've lost a few times there as well, which is just inevitable. But I've also won, and I've also pe pegged some men in the ass, which was always fun. But oh, you yeah. know, I I really I really love it. I think that's a really big part of who I am, just simply because I you know as you get older, you really kind of like you know remember instances in your life where you're like, no, I'm not really like I'm not really like this way. But no, I, uh, I I try to deny that I'm a competitive person, but I think I, I I am competitive, but I'm not a sore loser. I can absolutely accept loss and I'm not like I, but I'll be competitive about it, even if I do get sixth or last place. So um, when I wrestle, like I will give it my all. And I, I've only been upset about losing one match because it was one point. And I was like, no, I'm, I won. So like, close. No. I was, no, I didn't. <laughs> right. And like, that's the only time I've ever felt any type of way about a match working for you. And it was a boy girl match and he was stronger than me and he had wrestled in high school. So, but he, I mean, he wasn't that great. I'm not going to name names. <laughs> you should probably just find the match, but like, yeah. right. I, I had a really good time and that's like one of my favorite things to do for shooting. Honestly, it's, it's quick. It's easy. It's competitive, fun and hot. Cause at the end, the uh, winner fucks the loser. So when I win, I get to fuck the loser. And I do love that. But even when I do lose, I'm letting, they're still fucking, like, you know, I, I don't get fucked. I am the person who fucks. So even, <laughs> even. I am the one who fucks. Right. So even if I lose, I'm still fucking you. It's totally fine. 
Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, um, so I've produced a couple scenes for Academy Wrestling and I've used yeah. you a couple of times for that. And I think I've lost every single time. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm I'm kind of a pussy because I reached a point, you know, I, I've had a hip replacement and um, I know like a, brain, a brain injury. So I'm always I'm like I've reached a point where I'm just so old and creaky uh that i that i'm like i'm only willing to wrestle people who i know are like much smaller than i am like if i'm gonna if i if i think i'm gonna lose i'm gonna be like nah i'm not gonna wrestle that person and it has nothing to do has nothing to do with ego it's just like i don't want to accidentally you know hurt myself oh i i've known that i actually knew that about you before i had ever met you because i knew that you wrestled and i was wrestling for ariel and i wanted to call you out and she actually did another take and was like, I, I wish you could call Sin out, but you actually can't because of her hip. So that's how I found that out. And then I met you and you're like, yeah, it's true. And I was like, yeah. oh, fuck. But I get it. I mean, you, you used to fucking kick ass and you still do. Yeah. So it oh. is what it is. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it's it's definitely that like I, I would feel totally comfortable uh, wrestling you for Ariel or I think I told Charlotte the same thing and because I've wrestled her right. for the academy side as well and you know i know i i know when i can win and so i feel yeah <laughs> like a I mean, little like, bit of size I'm, uh and i know how to use my weight to just kind of like that's kind of where i'm upon you yeah i'm learning <laughs> those things now finally yeah so yeah. I'm, I'm a little tiny bit better now but like i still need so much more practice that's the only way to do it for real. Totally. And and I was hopeful that like when you and I had wrestled that uh, that there was a little bit of training happening there as well. That it was kind of like uh, or that I could I've coached you yes. with like tips and stuff when you've wrestled with other people of like just little things you can do um, and keep in mind. But I love that you're so passionate about it that you watched it and like went and seeked out that specific thing to do. Uh, oh, I was like, I'm moving. I'm moving to Vegas so that I can be yeah. a sex wrestler. If it's the last yeah. thing I do, it's what I'm doing. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so awesome. And it seems oh, obviously your career has really taken off since you've been here. And I think that has a lot to do with your again, your enthusiasm about the industry and the work that we do. And also like your social media savvy. I feel like it's like a fake it till you make it thing. You know, like I kind of like learned in MySpace how to like days, how to like make my MySpace all cool. But like I learned because yeah. I Googled it all. So that's pretty much what I do. I just kind of like Google and um, it typically has an answer. So Everyone listening, if you want to ask a stupid question, Google it first. It's what I try to do. And people are like, wow, you're so smart. And I'm like, I swear, I like, I know I am smart, sure. But like, I'm not like over the top smart. Like, I'm pretty normal smart. So Google. <laughs> so I wanted to talk a little bit. I wanted to take us back, take us backwards. Yeah. Um, yeah. And talk about your sort of uh sexual awakenings and various things like that. So you mentioned, you know, as you get older, certain things happen and stuff. So how old are you? I'm 29. I will be 30 years old on December 31st of this year. I'm going to be totally honest. There was just so much bullshit that happened in my 20s that I'm like, 30 is just, this is the time that I'm a grown up and things 
things are going to just be a little bit easier. So I feel the same way about my 20s. So I think it's probably pretty common, I would imagine, because I know my yeah. partner feels the same way about his 20s. So I kind of think it's like your 20s yeah. is the time where you're like figuring out who and who's an asshole and, you know, what's going to work in your life, what's not going to work. So that by the time you hit 30, you really start actually like living your life as the person you're gonna be kind of our being and like right. learning from the lessons that you got in your 20s and <laughs> like and becoming honestly, a better person I don't know I think I can even answer the question that you asked me um like I can go backwards because you know sexual awakening sure we can start back in my fifth grade sexual awakening but also I'm gonna say <laughs> that in the last couple of years I left um an abusive marriage. And I think you can really like not kind of like, it's like, I didn't know who I was because I was in my young twenties. And then I met this dude in his thirties and he marries the girl in her twenties. And then as I get older, I'm like, wait, this isn't how things are supposed to be. And (laughs) they're just, you know, there came a point where, so I left and, you know, honestly, I feel like this last year, of meeting my wonderful new boyfriend, shout out Frankie Fettuccini. Regardless of him, I really feel like I've been able to come into who I am as a dom. Like I've always felt very strong and like I'm a dominant woman. But when you live around patriarchy and you date a fucking dude in a in a hardcore crew which people don't know who hardcore music is like a crew and now you know they're fucking bikers like you know I grew up in this shit and then you get out of it and it takes years to unlearn those things and finally one day you go oh fuck like you know this is how it's supposed to be but when when it comes to oh this is how it's supposed to be I also have just become so much more confident and like in my abilities as Kaya Eve and not just as Kaya Eve, but as my own personal self outside of Kaya Eve, there's been just yeah. a lot of growth. And that's like yeah. that for me, like going, I'm like, I just went to Folsom this weekend in San Francisco and I've, I've never been, it was my first Folsom. Yeah. And like, I tell you, I could cry. Like it was so, <laughs> it was like truly like everything that I needed. And, you know, I got to walk my Frankie, my little pet boyfriend around on his leash. And I just, you know, yes. I just, I, I just, I felt like such myself for, yes. for not for once, but like for, it felt very validating. And yeah. it's not that I need validation from other people, but like it was validation for me being there for me. I was like, damn, like I really, this is really who I am. And, uh, you know, I don't think that anyone should be in a rush to learn who they are, but it's nice to have like, you know, like you just, you know, people are ever evolving and ever growing. And I probably am not the most mature version of myself yet, but it's really nice to feel like I've come into something in the last, uh, you know, just year of getting out of the bullshit and, and doing things for myself and, um, you know, working for myself, you know, like the biggest yeah. argument between my, in my old marriage was, you know, oh, you're going to do boy girl porn. And I'm like, how do you see it as I'm going to fuck some guy? Like I quite literally, like for me as a bisexual person who truly is attracted to so many different people, like, uh, you know, that's, that's who I am. And I don't want to deny going and doing porn, the porn that I want to make because 
someone's insecure about it. And that took me a minute, but um, it didn't take me a long minute. It took me a couple months and I was like, fuck this. Like, this just isn't how it's supposed to be. And I will tell you, it isn't. And I'm fucking, I, I know, and I hope other people listen to that and that they, you know, I hope every sex worker knows though, that they just like, regardless, like you deserve love. We all deserve so much love. Everyone deserves love, but like sex workers, we deserve love too. And people just need to remember we're fucking people. So, you know, if you're around those people, like abusive ex-husband or whatever, just like get out of it, go find yourself. You know, it's like really great. Yeah. Because it's like a, it becomes like a, that literal ball and chain that's holding you back. And, you know, I, I had, you know, my previous relationship was similar. I mean, I I could feel, I I could feel like the drag down. I was mean. And, you know, I even have, I found, I found myself actually like I've apologized to, some sex workers just for bringing them in my home around that energy because it wasn't like if it wasn't good for me I can only imagine how other people felt in there so I know I don't like have to go and apologize but it feels right to (laughs) me to tell like I'm really sorry that like you know I would put anyone in that kind of situation but also like damn you don't really know you're in a situation until you're in a situation so yeah or with that you know Sometimes you don't really know that you're in a situation until you're out of it on the other yeah. side, looking back right. and being and like, like, holy, holy shit. shit, I was in that was situation. That it was, it was it that really bad. Was. And that's the right. thing about like gaslighting and, and sort of that emotional abuse and stuff is that it's just like you are so sort of indoctrinated by this that you're questioning you're questioning the things you think you're feeling, but you're like, right, maybe, maybe I'm not seeing maybe it's not that way. And I'm just like, right. I'm all messed up or whatever. You just question yourself. And then you, it takes that, that final push of getting out and getting away from it to look back and be like, Oh my God, I was right that whole time. And I just right. couldn't see it. Cause I was too deeply entrenched in it. You know, yeah. you can't see the forest for the trees while you're like inside of it. So, um, right. so that's, just beautiful and lovely. I'm so happy, you, you know, that you were able to sort of escape that oppression and find find yourself and find the life that, you know, you really wanted to be living. And I definitely, you yeah, know, yeah. So I wanted to ask you about the Folsom thing too, but let's go back a little bit more. I'm curious, yeah. what was your yeah. very first, I don't want to say like experience with porn, but like sort of introduction, what introduced you to porn as far as understanding that like, this is a thing that exists in the world? Okay, so you know what's really interesting? I actually just had this, like, incredible revelation in the car uh, driving to Folsom with Layla Lewis, Lydia Black, Lydia Black's husband, and Frankie. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, the first memory I have of watching porn, and I will not name the person who it is, obviously, from my childhood, but a childhood friend of mine, um, I was probably in, like, the fourth grade, and she okay. was in the fifth grade. I mean, it's a like this is something that I think should be talked about. You know, we were like, absolutely. What's it? What's yeah? What's it like to make out? What is it like to you know kiss someone for the first time? So you know, at, for what for for what her was practicing to go be with a boy for me was like, oh wow, I think I I think I like girls. Like this is fun. And this is when you were like nine, literally nine. But at at nine, you you were f- having that feeling. You were having that like cognitive thought of, oh m- maybe I like girls. Yeah, were, and not all know, like making out yeah. With your friends. So mm-hmm. so with this, you know her 
parents had very lax uh, TV parental controls. So I would sleep over at her house a lot and there was a TV in her bathroom that her dad put there and there, but there was locks in the bathroom. (laughs) So we would go the first time I remember we went in and we saw porn and we were like, Oh my God, what is this? And I could honestly look up the people and probably find the porn it was, but it was Jenna Jameson and Evan Stone. It was when they were like caveman and they were like on a space. So Jenna Jameson's on a fucking spaceship and she fucking crashes on earth and Evan Stone's a fucking caveman and they all fuck. And it's like, you know, I've now hung out at Evan Stone's house and smoked weed with him. So it's just like the whole world's crazy. But anyways, that's the first porn (laughs) I ever watched in the fourth grade with my neighbor. And from there we were like, well, what's, what does it feel like to have your pussy ate? So I would eat her pussy a lot. Yeah. From from like fourth grade to probably middle school when we kind of like, she was cooler than me at that point and was like, ew, no, I've never kissed a girl in my life to this day. That's how it is. And no. if this person's if this person's listening, Liar. I still I still love you so much. We follow each other still on personal life, but you know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> she knows the truth. Right. But like literally what fourth grade to almost the seventh grade, what is that? Like three or four years? Like yeah. I was experimenting experimenting with this girl and you know she obviously was not she did not enjoy eating my pussy she didn't like it so I was like she would do it because but she would do it at least in the beginning it sounds like because she in the beginning you also wanted to know what it felt like right yeah and then we and yeah and then and then we stopped and or then Mm -hmm. she did not really want to fucking eat my pussy anymore but she's like well Mm -hmm. you can still eat my pussy and I was like perfect (laughs) fine that's okay with me but then like you know that kind of that changed and then I actually didn't actually lose my virginity it was my 14th birthday and he was like someone that I I kind of loved uh you know it was like young love but like who knew when you say I didn't actually lose my virginity what's what is your definition of virginity you know I guess that is a good question because I felt, I have felt from society standards, you know, that I lost my virginity when I popped a cherry. But like, I understand at the same time that if I was not attracted to men, that would have been for me, like maybe losing my virginity. But like for Mm -hmm. me with, with what I felt I was doing with my neighbor to this day, it felt like foreplay. Like I never felt Mm -hmm. like it was actual sex like we never yeah. made out and 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 it wasn't yeah. you know what I mean it, w- it wasn't so based in like I- yeah it wasn't based in like desire in the moment to have sex it sounds like it was based a lot more on curiosity you know yes. and that sort of yes. that I, I, I kind of feel sexuality. like yeah it almost feels like prior to puberty happening yes. all of that sexual exploration is is really based in curiosity um, as, as long as it's not, you know, a trauma that's being, you know, inflicted upon oh, cool. someone. Um, oh, and I, I have similar, you know, experiences uh, from age probably six till about nine or 10 uh, with girlfriends yeah. where it was just like, oh, when I touch myself here, this feels good. How does it feel when I touch you here like this? And, you know, we'd kind of like hump each other and stuff like that. And it just felt, it's like, yeah, it is sexuality happening, but it's more in this sense of like, like beginning to understand your own body 
really. Yes, that's honestly yeah. like what it was, right? And then it's yeah, like, so it didn't, it didn't right? feel like you were losing your virginity at you know nine, be, just because you were exploring sexually with your friend, because it, yes. it was that satiating that curiosity in a different way. But you know, I wanted to circle back just the tiniest bit that I remembered I was starting with. And then I, of course, bunny trailed a little, but you know, what (laughs) really, really, really got me thinking about the original question is like, you know, what is your, like with porn and you know, the reason why I definitely, it's like, why was I so curious? Well, I was in, I was like four years old dancing to Britney Spears. I'm watching Christina Aguilera. I'm watching some of the biggest pop stars who are 17 years old with their fucking nipples blasting through their shirts on the front pages of magazines. And that was Yeah. Even in the, even at four years old, I was like, Oh my, like, I want to be that. Like, she's so hot. I remember feeling those ways and That's why when I hear, you know, oh, well, children were exposed to porn at such a young age. You're right. I did watch porn because I was nine. But it's because I walk out into the world and the media that is regurgitated and thrown up every day on just TV, of course, we're going to wonder. So where are we going to go? We're going to go watch porn. Like, sorry, I can't Google Britney Spears titties and go jerk off to Britney Spears titties and her spread pussy. No, you're going to go to Pornhub and you're going to go... Britney Spears cosplay and you're going to find that <laughs> as like you can't find that's like but that's like your sex sexuality is just so rep- repressed in this country consent and 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 sexuality those are the two things that if we could just be less repressive and yeah. I think this country would just do so much better but I'm just me so what the fuck do I know and um <laughs> well you have your experiences is- and they're a lot more and a lot different than a lot of other people and i think that you know obviously i agree with you i think i think repression <laughs> is is actually causes way way more problems um than, right. than, it, than it helps and you know i'm tired of people feeling ashamed for having like totally natural sexual feelings and, and stuff like that so like literally i'm just like i'm sure you're gonna circle back to Folsom. you said but with <laughs> that i'm seeing posts you know, on the internet of like the piss pool at Folsom. And of course, normal fucking Twitter gets their hands on that. And the things that these people comment under it, I'm just like, honestly, you do, you want to be in the piss pool. If that's how deeply disgusted you feel, it's because you're just so curious. And the only reaction you have is just to be repulsed. So anyways, that's none of my business, but maybe seek therapy. Yeah. And like, don't take your repulsion and force it upon other people who don't have it. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, um, that's of, my, it's, it's literally right. It's none of their business. Yeah, you none of your business. Nose. And what? and you getting pissed all over in the street or you pissing all over other people in the street is if they don't like it, they don't have to fucking look at it and it's not hurting anyone. So do you want to do you want to know what's mind. crazy about do you want to know what's crazy about the Internet? You can literally just turn it off. Yeah. And you, you just don't have to look. Close the isn't, browser. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? You could just you could just go and click off. But again, yep. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so but let's go back to the uh the fourteen year old, you know, definitely the first time that you were oh, with yeah. uh a boy. I mean, we were just like, you know, like in middle school 
and like horny little fucking middle schooler scene kids and who would and mm-hmm. if you don't know what a scene kid is to people listening it's kind of like being an emo kid in like the mid uh early 2000s like 2007 time with the swooping hair <laughs> and the tight pants you're welcome oh, for boy. every right by the way to every to every straight man out there who wears skinny jeans you can thank every single emo boy who got bullied for wearing them in 2007 and 2008. You're fucking welcome from the emo community. Anyways, <laughs> Jesse, Jesse, um, that I, I, I can say his name because I don't care. Uh, he actually committed suicide when I was 16 years old. So I lost my virginity to him when I was 14. And we had a really, uh, you know, things can be toxic when someone is super, super needs help. And I clearly was in middle school and did not know how to help him. And we kind of lost touch the last year. Not entirely, you know, uh, I would say like every month we would, you know, say what's up, but nothing too much. And we hung out uh, a couple times. I went over to his house again with friends and saw him. You know, I don't really know how I really feel about that, but he was definitely someone that I really loved. And I'm really grateful that I got to lose my virginity to someone that I really cared about and who equally cared, equally cared about me. That's really a blessing. Yeah, I know that a lot. I could tell you more of my friends have not had that versus something that I like, you know, and um, I really I cherish that. And, you know, may his soul be resting in peace because he did do. He really did me a solid by making sure that that happened. But nonetheless, it still fucks you up when they kill themselves. But he's, I'm, I'm good now. I'm totally good now. Yeah. But yeah, you know, because um, I just like, obviously, like it wasn't your responsibility at, as a yeah. 13, 14 year old child. It's like I went to his house. I, I, I know the way he lived. I knew how his parents were. And, you know, yeah. that's just unfortunately some people's that's what ends up happening when they are you know, faded to a family like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, they're not, it's not even their fault, but that's just the way the universe yeah. is. So yeah, thus yeah. we move on and, yeah. you know, just honor their memory. Absolutely. So you had sex for your first time and yeah. did you, did you have sex more times than that? Or was it just the once? Yeah, we had sex a couple of times, but like, again, teenage love is confusing and you know he had a best friend and his best friend was dating a girl but jesse also liked the girl so the girl and him started fooling around so his best friend and i started fooling around and then it got messy and you know and it's so but literally like from losing my virginity it's kind of like an interesting time i'm losing my virginity but at the same time i am now a scene girl and um my dad doesn't like me because I am now not like this, you know, this tomboy type person. I'm, I'm coming into my puberty and I am, I'm an angsty teenage girl. So it's like all, all my love that I had for my dad, you know, like when I was like 11, 12, you know, starts to get pushed away. But then when you really start becoming a teenager, either your dad's a good dad or he doesn't, he has no idea who, how to handle a teenage daughter. And that's what I got. So it's like the love gets pushed out and I get pushed away. So I was like, okay, well then I'll go find someone else who loves me. This, you know, the lack of a father's love is a very interesting thing because between the age of um, 14 to, I would say until I met my first serious boyfriend when I was like 19, I had easily slept with like probably a hundred, 150 people between 15 to 
19 years old. Wow. That, that is a very high number. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's a number that I have now because I've done porn, but like yeah. that was, that was oh, what yeah, I was now. doing, you know, yeah. I'm right. And yeah, like, yeah. what number is now? But like, I just, who cares? But at that I, age, I just, you know, yeah, it, it is an interesting thing to just like realize like, oh, wow. Like there's, I had a, I had a lot of experiences in this time and mm-hmm. none of them were really filled with any love. And that's all that yeah. I wanted. So, that's you know, what you were it's seeking. Like, right. And yeah. so, <laughs> you know, then, then it's like, I got into kind of like a serious relationship and then a serious relationship. And then I took a break for a few years and then I got into a marriage and then I took a break for a few years and now I'm in this relationship. But like, those four years spent single in my twenties, I'm so grateful for because they've gotten to where I am. But nonetheless, like I, you know, I wish things had just been a little easier and different, but like thus, you know, I can't change anything. So here I am thriving. It's all, that's all one can do. Exactly. And, and I mean, I, I think too, it's, you know, there's definitely something that, well, it's just like my little philosophy on life, but you know, anything that happened prior to this exact very moment is something that we cannot change, but what we can do is sort of change our attitudes towards the past or towards those things that happened and be like, how, how can I use these experiences and these memories to make my future a, a better one to make myself better, to understand myself better, my place in the world, my desires and who I want to yeah. be and those, those kinds of things, you know? And yeah, just, just knowing you and how much I freaking love you. It's like all of those things brought you to where you are today and the person you are today. Right. And so, you know, I'm yeah. in that sense, even though they were tough, you, you have, you can be grateful for, for them as well. You know, that's kind of, I would, I was theory. really, I was really just saying today, I don't really have any regrets in life. Truly. The only yeah. regret I have, I only have one regret and it's not, actually I have two regrets, three regrets, three. <laughs> one is dating this one man. I will not name his name because he does not deserve to be named. Watching the show Lost on my regret list. <laughs> okay. I'll allow list. that. I'll allow it. Yeah. And, and, um, and, and not, and not being more attentive when I was at my grandmother's house, when she was alive, because I was 19 and arguing with my boyfriends on my phones. So with that, I'm yeah. saying I have literally no regrets. You know, like I, yeah. life gets me to like, I am here and things have been hard and things can be hard, but things get better. And I will say, mm-hmm. I don't know if life necessarily gets easier because everyone has their shit, but I do mm-hmm. think that once you know, kind of like your direction, what you want in life, it's just easier to do the things you know what I mean like when you absolutely yeah when you like yeah when you're doing when you're in a rut and you're doing shit you don't want to do it feels like an eternal endlessness of just a void you know it sucks so anyways yeah yeah and I I think too like you know when you're young and you know you're kind of going through it it feel everything I, I say especially in my early 20s you know you're talking about being 19 and all this stuff it's like everything seems like it's the biggest deal. Ever, like everything ever. seems like the end of Titanic or something. I mean, it, the right. ship is always just crashing down, you know, into an iceberg. Like, and even, you know, mm-hmm. falling in love. So when I fell in love with my ex, you know, I was 18 and it was just like, <gasps> the 
just, you know, the fireworks and it yeah. was like the music swelled and uh, it was such, it was so dramatic. And, you know, when I found out he was sleeping with my best friend for a couple of years, you know, that was, that was the heaviest tragedy I could ever imagine, you know? <sighs> and right. Yeah, and so I tried to uh, kill myself one time over a man. So let's, I don't, right. we don't need to get super into it because yeah. it is what it is, <laughs> but like, right. Life gets better. Well, and I can't believe that I ever felt so low. So please anyone, if you ever need to DM me over it, go ahead because life gets fucking definitely. better. Yeah. I mean, right. that's the whole thing. Like it definitely, it gets better if you can, you know, if you can just hold be- on for right. one more day. <laughs> Right. But no, like right. not to be cheesy about it, but it's true. Like, you know, yeah. when you're young, it's like not only not only does everything seem like a huge deal, but the hormones like raging through your body make these things seem like all of mm. life, the entirety of life. Mm. And so I remember when I fell in love with my current partner, my husband, Drake, it was like just everything seemed more down to earth. You know, I was 27 at this point and I had been through a long relationship with someone and I had experienced these like tragedies, you know, so-called. And it just felt so much more down to earth. And I was like, oh no, this is happening. Oh shit, I'm falling in love. But it wasn't, you know, the fact that it didn't- The crash never came. Yeah. And- Yeah, that, right. It just- That didn't mean that it wasn't love. It, you know, yeah. It just meant that like now I'm a more mature person and I'm going yeah. into this with a much more grounded, level head uh, about, you know, the kind of relationship that I want. Like, now I know the things about myself as a woman, like what I'm willing to put up with, what I'm mm. absolutely not willing to put up with anymore. Mm. And Amen. things like that. Yeah. <laughs> so I know you, yes. you experienced some of that, too. Like, coming out of your marriage into this new relationship, it was like, well, now you have <laughs> this totally different perspective of what you're willing yeah, to catch, put up with, what those red flags are, right. like what your yeah. what your patterns might even be, right? Right. Literally catch myself trying to start a fight and Frankie's like, I'm not fighting with you. And I'm like, okay, yeah. so I'm fighting with myself right now. Got it. Okay, let me just let me just take a breath. It's me. So I get it. <laughs> and all you can do is recognize uh, it and try to be better. Yeah. And go to therapy. Yeah. And that just like yeah, hearing you say that, just my little, right. my black, my little black heart is warmed up. <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, and for people who don't know, like Sin did know me when I was in that marriage, so um, she's seen the growth herself. So yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know if we've mentioned that, but right, you you were around <laughs> for the last year of that. So yeah, I mean, that's- yeah, I'm watching you, you know, sort of struggle and yeah, and so. It's it's rough, but like uh, here you are now, and you're. I know here there. I am, and I'm on browsers. So I'm on Pornhub <laughs> yeah, on the on browsers. browsers. Ads, so yeah. Fine. Question then is like, when you know you saw your first porn? Uh, I, yeah. I assume yeah, it must have been video porn when you were nine. HBO, um, HBO After Dark, but her dad only had it on one TV, so he had the cords like Jimmy rigged to the bathroom TV through. <laughs> A cabinet, a cabinet from the master bath to the guest bath where the TV was. And it was rigged from the main bathroom with a cord through that all the way. It was the porn TV. That's obviously what he did. And yeah, yeah so no, no, not VHS. Cat House, great show. Oh, I, I know. Cat House. I, I love Cat House. So for those of you who don't know, Cat House, Cat House on HBO is a, a reality show that follows the... Uh, the sex workers in a Nevada, a legal Nevada brothel. That show is on Great HBO show. for a number of seasons. It's not anymore. I and, don't know where you can find it anymore. Oh, you can't find it on HBO on HBO Max. Oh, 
Um, I don't believe that. <laughs> I don't believe it's HBO. I think I may have found uh, episodes to buy on Amazon Prime. I have to double check yeah. on that. But yeah, I was like, I want to watch it, but fuck, yeah. right. Well, what I think is so great about that show, too, is that, you know, even though a lot of it is it can be kind of silly. And I think Dennis Hoff was sort of like a maybe a little bit of a misogynist or a womanizer, perhaps. Uh, But without going into the weeds with that, I I do what I think is important about it is that sort of normalization of human sexuality and of sex work. Like I would. The reason why I think people should watch that show is really just so you can look into uh, some sex work and see it represented and recognize like, oh, these are just some people who maybe think a little differently than I do and, but they're just doing a job and making a living and they're having fun doing it. And that's really all that's going on here. And so in that sense, I think it was a pretty good thing. You saw those things and at that time, I mean, maybe, maybe not at nine, um, but at some point between nine and you know, 20, 25 or however old you were when you started actually doing some sex work, what pushed you towards that shift? Like what, when was the thought that like, maybe this is something I want to do to earn a living? And like, was that informed by anything? Like what was sort of, was there anything holding you back? Got an an answer. Don't worry. So (laughs) I was probably like, I was probably like 14, 15 at the time. Now I had a computer and I loved yeah. cam. I loved cams.com. There was these hot babes on there rubbing their pussies for dollars. And that is the porn that I liked to watch. So I never, I was always very scared of being disowned by my family. Like my mom was the person who was like, if you get a tattoo, I'm kicking you out of the house. So I went and tattooed my tits when I was 16. So she couldn't see them. Was that your first tattoo when you were 16? Yes. And I ironically, wow. I got I got tattooed by this artist. Well, I think he was like 17 too, really young and was wow. tattooing out of his out of his basement. So I was like, fuck yeah, I'll get some <laughs> tattoos. So I had like five or six tattoos from this person. But just just quick little rabbit rabbit bunny trail story. Um, I went to get <laughs> tattooed when I was in Denver a few weeks ago with my best friend. And I walk into the shop to see my friend who's the artist. And the person who is now the owner of the shop is the 17 year old dude who tattooed me in his basement. And I walked up Hell and I yeah. said, hey, I said, do you do free touch-ups? And he was like, oh my God, dude, like, how are you? (laughs) I don't want to touch up. I don't want to touch up. I was just fucking with him. But I was on cams. I got tattooed. You know, I was really into the thing. I loved Suicide Girls. I loved God's Girls. Then I saw Burning Angel. The first time I ever saw tattooed porn, I was probably like 16 or 17. It was Jesse Lee and Joanna Angel. I've worked with Jesse Lee a few times now. So it's insane that someone that I was like, I want to be like her one day. I have now ate her pussy, which is delicious. Yep. But nonetheless, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, when I was 18, I like tried to do the suicide girls thing for, but like, I just, I, I still was really scared that I was like, my mom wouldn't love me anymore. Or um, the only thing my dad ever promised me was he would pay for me to go to college. So Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to go to college. And it's not like I wanted to go to college. I just, I really was scared to not have a skill because I wanted to go to cosmetology school. Um, Mm -hmm. But I wasn't, I, you know, just, I wasn't allowed. And I think there's a lot to remember. Like, I really felt like I wasn't allowed to do things. And when I became an actual 18 year old adult, I'm like, 
oh, like I am allowed to like do what I want. And if you don't like these choices, then I guess I will have to live with the consequences. So, you know, I didn't start rational, a pretty rational, uh, pragmatic life, uh, you know, understanding for you to have, especially at 18. And, and I just, I also, I did not tattoo my arms because I thought that I was going to work in a corporate office job one day. That's how I was raised. I always thought I'd be working. I ended up going to college for sociology and social work, and I wanted to go work in maximum security prisons and be a prison and be a prisoner advocate because prisoners need advocates too. So that's what I really wanted to do. Um, And I was going to do it. However, there's a lot of things that go into what am I going to do the rest of my life. Now I have to get a master's if I want to make more than 40K. I don't want to just make 40K. I have to work five days a week and deal with all this bullshit. And I learned a lot through these years. And I kind of learned by being in college. And I have a minor in globalization and media, African-American studies, And in, oh my gosh, there's one more that I have a minor in, but like I was very well-rounded and I just, I'm like, I took a whole look at everything and I was like, what the fuck am I going to do to fix anything? Like there's just band-aids over band-aids from hundreds of years of bullshit that I'll never fix. And maybe that's very privileged of me to take a step back and say, I I can't do this. But like there became, there came a point where it's like, I'm working in a rest. I was working in a restaurant. I worked in a restaurant for 10 years, different ones. And Mm -hmm. I didn't want to do that the rest of my life. You know, being a career bartender, like career waitress, it makes good money if you're in the right spots, but it's not my hustle anymore. I was over it. And I was also at the time I had met my ex-husband and getting to the answer of how I found sex work and how I got there. I, between these years, modeled. That was it. I did this thing called Ladies of Metal, and I ended Mm -hmm. up submitting a set of photos and they were too pornographic. And every photo <laughs> set, every photo set I sent in after that, that's what was returned to me. So I told them to go fuck themselves. And I <laughs> applied, I applied to God's Girls when it was still running. And I got accepted. Yeah, and so and real was, quick, God's, God's yeah. Girls is like basically alternative models, what we would call it alternative models. Um, just tattooed very suicide, very suicide girls. Yeah, suicide girls. Would, same, 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 same idea. Like, yeah. Yes. And uh, just a little side note real quick. My story with Suicide Girls is, uh, you know, so I, I, I'm obviously a lot older. And when I first saw Su- Suicide Girls, you know, I think I was like 17, um, maybe yeah. ba- barely 18, but it was a brand new thing. And mm-hmm. I was really into raving at the time. So I put on like mm. some of my candy bracelets. I used the disposable camera and I asked my friend, like, can you take some photos of me being like sexy, <laughs> um, fully clothed, but just, you know, like being sexy and but then I guess you had to like send the photos in and like that technology on the internet was still a little difficult like yes. scanning wasn't really yeah. a thing I, I didn't have a yeah. scanner and right. so it kind of never really went anywhere but um then like you know a few years later Suicide Girls just like blew up and became a huge thing so and then God's Girls being similar so yeah and so you I, were, if you were trying to I model were- for them and yeah. yeah, if I recall, God's mm-hmm. Girls was very intertwined with with uh, Burning Angel, if I recall. There was kind of an overlap with the models. Um, okay. Because if you if you did Suicide Girls, I don't 
think at the time the rules I think have changed, but you, I believe weren't allowed to be a porn star and be a suicide girl. I think somewhere in there, something has changed. I, I, that could be a misquote, but I, I kind of Mm -hmm. feel like I could be right. Um, so that's why I did do God's girls. Cause I was like, well, maybe, maybe I'll do porn after I modeled and left and whatever. During this time I was married or I wasn't married yet. I was with him, but he, uh, has degenerative disc disease. So was unable to walk for like six months and we lived in downtown, three big dogs. And I was working 10 hours at a restaurant and it was just, it was impossible to do. So I was like, I have yeah. to, I have to change things up. Maybe this is the time. So I always have been very interested and it was just like the, when do I do it? When do I take the dive? So I took the yeah. dive when I, in 2017, I don't know how old that would have made me like 25 or something, 24, 25. Mm-hmm. And I'm so grateful because this is a whole nother topic, but just, um, I'm very grateful that I got to get in porn when I did, because I got to go live my experiences. And I'm going to say like 80% of us when we're growing up, uh, into our teenage years, into our twenties, we have some traumatic sexual experiences and I'm just grateful that those didn't happen on set because I know a lot of yeah. people who join porn at 18 and they have very traumatic experiences for a lot of number of reasons. And that is why a lot of people, you know, think this industry is horrible. And yeah. I totally get it. I totally understand the different dichotomy of just this industry, but that it goes for every single job too. I could have the greatest experience at a company and my black counterpart could have the most horrendous Uh, time ever. And how would I know unless I know? And, um, that's just kind of how this industry, it's just, it's it's in every industry. So with that, I'm saying I'm lucky that this was my experience, but I don't speak for every sex worker. Yeah, totally. And I I think that is like uh, what people are talking about when they say, you know, the age of consent, uh, especially for sex workers, porn stars, whatever, should be 21 instead of 18. Like a part of me kind of gets that because I think at 18, you still don't know what your own boundaries are. But even if you know what your boundaries are, you really don't have the vocabulary and like sort of almost the wherewithal to uh, set them and uh, like establish them and then like maintain them in a strong way, especially when you show up on set and you're here with all of these yes. people who've been doing this for a long time and you yes. feel very intimidated by what's going on. Yes. And then you start doing your job and something's happening that's making you feel uncomfortable, but you're feeling intimidated and you're looking around and you and all these people are relying on you and you're just feeling like, I can't say anything in this moment. But that being said, like, I I think I think the solution to that is a lot more like when you get in, you should get some kind of training. I agree. It's like if either you like, okay, we have to be in pass either if we're doing mainstream porn um, for anyone who doesn't know, porn stars do test within a system so we can check tests every two weeks so that we know that we we do not have STDs. We test. We We know our status more than the rest of the world. (laughs) Every 14 days we have to. It is standard. It's industry standard. And you're able to yeah. And you're, so you're able to check people's tests within this system. And I just, I think that perhaps maybe you should be 21 to be able to be in pass. And I don't want to say that to upset anyone, but I think that yeah. if you, if, if, the, if we can't for 18 year olds have 
advocates on set to help them advocate for themselves. If we cannot do that for them, then we have to do something else, which would be, okay, we'll make it 21. And I don't think it's fair to do that because I know there is a lot of survival that needs to happen. So that's why I'm like, and I'm not saying um, no escorting, nothing like that at 18. I think that porn itself is its own entity. And and I think that we should be mindful of performance. And I obviously, Mm -hmm. I believe in decriminalization for sex workers and escorts. And when you're 18, like that is your decision to make. Um, But right. When you come into- when you're 18 and it's like, oh, you, you can go to another country and like die for capitalism or, you know, and you can vote. And I mean, basically yes. all of these responsibilities are dumped on you on your 18th yes. birthday. Um, yeah. And then to say to someone, yeah, but you can't do this still. Yeah. Um, you know, and I mean, it's, we do have like, well, you can't drink it. still and you can't smoke cigarettes still. Um, so, so part, you know, I, I'm like, I don't want to say that 18 shouldn't be the age. And I look, I just got these pictures of myself from when I was 19 doing new, right. know, doing porn. And I was like, yeah. Oh my God, I'm like, I'm, I'm looking at these pictures. Like I feel like I know that's me. And I kind of feel like a little wrong looking at myself looking this young, <laughs> but I, I agree in the sense that it's like, there should like, be some, an advocate or someone who's there to like help you and that they can look at your face and see if this is okay still or not. Like it has to be someone like, you know, with empathy, a veteran, probably a veteran woman. (laughs) I agree. And you know what? Maybe that's something we can even, you know, suggest to FSC one day. I'm not saying that they run. And APAC is still a thing. And APAC. Yeah. All of, all of these, you know, organizations that try their best to help the sex work community. I do think that, you know, we, we should try and, um, you know, we could talk about that forever. I'm sure. Totally. Yeah. APAC being the Adult Performers um, Advocacy Committee. Sorry, yeah, it's supposed to be like a union type type. It isn't a union, but it's, you know, a type, an advocacy group for the adult industry, which FSC also is, which stands for the Free Speech Coalition. And they do, they sort of handle like the legal side of the adult industry um, and what our rights are and things like that. Yeah. So your first ever thing that you did in the adult industry. Your first ever performance, what was it? Okay. Oh, I got a good one for this. So uh, I didn't have a name. I, as I told you, I was like, well, if I'm gonna like start being a hot girl, I (laughs) should ask, I should ask a hot girl. Um, I was on Instagram and I actually followed this hot girl who cammed and her name is Selena Kill, K-Y-L. And um, she's still a cam girl, active in Colorado and Denver. Love her so much forever. I don't, we don't talk much, but without her, I definitely would have been very lost in the beginning of my adult creation. So I messaged her and I was like, hey, uh, I see you have this like amateur clip porn thing and this mini vids thing. And like you, it's like you on there. And that's like, it's your porn, crazy. Do you, can I be in this porn? Can I do this with you? How does this work? And she was like, oh, yeah, like you come over, my partner will film it, and then you'll get a copy of the video, I'll get a copy of the video, and you have a clip. And I was like, great, what day and time? So I set it up, I went over, I, again, no name yet, and I did my first, it's on my minivis, it's my first time fucking Selena Kill, and that is truly my first experience ever on camera doing any kind of sex work. I never cammed alone before. I started that after. 
I didn't make any clips solo. I did it all after. I did not know what to do and I wanted to ask someone. So I was like, hey, what's up? So um, she introduced me to a really good group of people. I guess I should say a group of people since I don't think some of them are that great anymore. But I did learn (laughs) some good ropes. And then I kept making my my main thing is I just kept making clips. I I I didn't really cam a lot. And that's so it. Kinda, I was kind of ahead of the I game. I went for on it. Making, yeah, yeah. Making clips. I just, you know. I just went for it. I was like, fuck yeah. it. But also I was like, I don't want to be a cam girl. Like not any shit to cam girl, but like, it's yeah. not me. I don't, I am not yeah. really like a personality who wants to sit there and like, I am very demanding. I am a dominatrix. It's just the hustle the- aspect of it is very difficult. I'm, I'm I've done it, it, yeah. it all too. So I sure. agree. You know, <laughs> Sitting there you know. and hustling yeah. and trying to get them to separate from their money and it's it's so for me yeah yeah making those clips I was like if I can just so I used to go hard I used to make seven to ten clips in a day and then I would do that once a week and then I would have releases every day for like a year. That is the best way to do it if, if you can manage to do it that way. <laughs> I, I feel like I've burned myself out on that, but yeah, maybe one day sure. I'll get back to it. I'm Now I'm like, I can film one clip today. That'll be fine. Totally. But like, I also <laughs> also have a huge backlog, so I'm good. Yeah. But yeah, that was my first big thing. Yeah. So it was, what was that like for you? I, I mean, you know, you set it up, you got there the day of, and it was like, hey, now we're, I'm going to have sex with this stranger. Uh, I, so I assume you'd had sex with uh, women before up to that point. Oh, okay. Also, yeah, I guess to preface, um, I've, I was more lifestyle before I started porn in lifestyle for those listening, meaning I liked to get on FetLife and I would talk to some different girls that wanted to come hook up with me or me and my boyfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like that, my, my thing has always like, I love threesomes. You know this. Same. I love them. Oh my God. Always. Yes. A, yeah. Always, <laughs> always have. I always have. So I always, oh, yeah. always, always, even when I had partners, I'm like, are you sure we can't just like find a girl to fuck? And you yeah. know, most of the time, all my boyfriends, I think they're, you know, you date straight men, but they're probably gay because they're like, oh, no, oh my God, do you want to have it? I'm like, why? So anyway, <laughs> it wasn't really until like I left. Well, my ex-boyfriend, who I was so in love with in my 20s, broke up with me and left me heartbroken. Uh-huh. <sighs> but that's when I really started to get start exploring that. Like I started to do my modeling and uh getting uh in like on FetLife, getting on Tinder, finding girls to hook up with. And I loved yeah. it was so fluid and natural for me that yeah. when I went to my first shoot, um, it was very fluid and natural. Like we both yeah. equally wanted to have sex with each other. We both oh. wanted to hook up. And it just awesome. so happened that it was, you know, on camera too. And that is how I kind of feel about most of my content. Like I feel yeah. most people that I'm going to film content with, I I want to have a connection like in some way, not even like not romantic, just like a vibe, oh, yeah, no. like some yes. vibe because there are some yeah. people who are just like, great. You have, you're the top, you know, oh, 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 whatever percent on OnlyFans, Great. But like yeah. you hold a camera and you have zero personality and it's yes. just a normal scene. I don't need it. And there's no chemistry. Like you're not even right. trying to cultivate chemistry with me. Like, I can't even tell if you really like me as a person or you're attracted to me. And so we're just going to make this, I guess. Like, yeah, I, that 
is not as much fun as when you work with someone who's like, you, you know that they're into you and yeah. you know that there there's some chemistry there and those scenes are just always going to be fire. So, so it sounds like, you know, you, your first, your first shoot ever was a, a pretty great experience with, with um, that you both yeah. like wanted to do it. And yeah, you were, you were ready to fuck this girl. And <laughs> did she have a camera person or did you guys like set up a phone or a camera on a tripod her, or something like that? Her boy, her boyfriend films all her content for her. Okay. That isn't like solo stuff. So was that interesting? Like being watched like that? Yeah. By another person oh. in the room? Like, um, well, I had definitely like, like I've in the past, like I enjoy watching and I enjoy uh-huh having an audience always have right so that's why we do what we do i think (laughs) yeah that was it you know i actually like i don't think i don't even really think i thought about it because when you go to her mini vids page you can see her content is like it's beautifully filmed and edited that's what really made i wasn't just normal like it's he puts filters on it and makes it look really nice and I knew that uh, there were like that's why it looked good. I was like, that's how you get good content is you have a camera person. So when yeah, I showed totally. up, 100%. it was very fluid. And, yeah. uh, st- you know, that it wasn't weird. I guess, yeah. you know, I that was like the first time that I have like, right, I love cucking people now. I love being mm-hmm. cucked. I love yeah. voyeur. I love all yeah. those things. So yeah. it, it was very, you know, every step I feel like I take, even if I'm like, oh, I didn't like that. Those scenes still have made me a better performer because now I know, oh, I was, I walked on a, you know, on my knees one time I got to crawl and I, I don't do that now. Like it's, unless it's like, I'm really like, okay with the scene and I'm into my scene partner, you know, it's just like, I learned, Mm -hmm. I don't want to crawl for someone. That's not for me. And I learned that. And I, it's cause I did it. Yeah. Yeah. And you're identifying more as like a dom, the older that you get. So you're feeling like, I don't want to be crawling to you. I want you to crawl to me. Like, yeah. And I think that to have those experiences to get there. Yeah. And I think sometimes that can get lost in sexuality, you know, learning your sexuality at the same time as being in porn filming something. Because sometimes Mm -hmm. I think it might feel like a violation, but in in my head, I'm like, this is truly just something that how would I know until I know? And now that I know, I will stick true to myself and this will be the way it is. So I also want to just remind anyone who's listening who is a performer, if there are those scenes that you think about, just know like... They made you who you are today. And I'm grateful to have those experiences. Um, But I'm not talking about traumatic sexual assault experiences. That is not. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yes. No, you just want to clarify, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, But that there is some space for you to do something that you're just like, well, I don't know how I feel about this. You do the thing. And then, you know, you're okay on the other side, but you're just like, well, I just do know that, like, that's not really something what I want to make a part of my career. You know, I'll, I'll say for sure that in my early part of my career, I was a sub and I did a lot of fetish work as a submissive. And then there was just this point that I hit where I felt like no one was doming me, especially with the les dom stuff, the way that I thought I should be domed, being domed. And so I was like, you know, I think I can be the dom. And I gave it a shot. And the first scene that I did it with, like it turned out amazing. And I was like, 
oh, I think I'm a dom, <laughs> uh, especially when it comes, you know, with, with women, especially. And then that just became the last, the, you know, ever since then, that's been my- I will I just clarify, I am a switch when it comes to hot women and hot femmes. Shout out to the hot femmes and hot women who want to taught me. <laughs> Wait, is that- is that a is that a hint? <laughs> oh, you already know. You already do. <laughs> true, true. So we we talk a little bit about uh, the tattoos. I, I guess I kind of want to talk more about that. Um, yeah, you know, it's it sounds like in your heart of hearts, like you don't. It's not like you feel like a quote unquote alt model. You're like, I am just a model, and I have tattoos. But because porn is so about uh, now more than ever, really, like sort of the hashtags and the categorization of everything, the keywordness of it all. Um, it's almost like you have to put yourself in that category. You have to be tattooed model, hashtag alt model, whatever. Um, and there is some discrimination within the industry about that. It feels like it, le- it doesn't come as much from fans. It comes more from agents Correctors. and producers, right? Correct. I, I yeah. feel it really... Every person I have ever spoken to in my normal life at a bachelor party, a friend, an acquaintance, whoever wants to ask me about my job and I tell them that, it blows their mind, actually. It really blows their mind. And um, I just – I think that there is like – there's there's like that fine line now where you can be – little bit tattooed and you're 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 still getting booked for things like like um yeah. if you have I think less in your face tattoos for instance yeah. I do have like a captain spaulding tattoo on my thigh and mm-hmm. I have a um goat head above my pussy and <laughs> you know I think yeah. my full sleeve has actually honestly helped because it's so beautiful and oh, that's yeah. kind of that's kind of where, cause like I'm tattooed and you know, when you look at my tattoos at first, like I, it was intentional. I did want to look like the fucking mean girl. I do have an upside down cross. I did want to get evil cunt tattooed on the back of my thighs. And then I didn't because yes. I was like, my mom would be really sad if I had evil cunt <laughs> tattooed on the back of my thighs. So I didn't get that. I got something else, but like, you know, that is always, I, that I've always been for me, that was like my, I felt dominant even though that wasn't how yeah. I knew, you know what I mean? And I'm like, yeah. no, like I am this, I am a force. And my mm-hmm. tattoos were something for me to show that I have this big personality, maybe a little bitchy. And, um, <laughs> you know, some people definitely, you know, believe that from my tattoos. But I realized that it that is something that does play into my bookings like looking at this girl with tattoos and then with me and they're like oh well she has that really scary clown on her thigh and (laughs) like right like like oh I don't know if I and it it does and you know what um maybe I get it to a degree but also I do appreciate adult time and browsers for booking more tattooed talent and making it less taboo within their sites. Like it's really awesome that they're doing that. So I hope more people continue to do that over time. And I'm sure 
that they will because I, mm-hmm. you know, I do get booked. And of course. Um, I feel like I have given a little bit of hope to some other tattooed models out there from what I can tell and, you know, just keep working at it. And I know it's also yeah. like so, you know, shitty, but like being a tattooed model does come with other uh, like – I feel that I have to work harder at my body um, than I would if I didn't have tattoos. Um, right. It's just it's just noticeable if I put on a couple pounds uh, with tattoos, and for some reason I will get less bookings. So it's just mm-hmm. it's like it's just like uh, it's it's the industry, and I have no problems yeah. with my body and who I am. But that is mm-hmm. another thing that I think is so about finding balance in this industry is exactly uh it's a whole other level that we deal with we don't just go to work we go to look and we're judged upon how we literally look and that's a very tough element not not a lot of people deal with and that is actually something that when new people come to me and ask for advice I do tell them I'm like this is great I'm so proud that you want to do this but just remember every day you're getting looked at because of what you look like that's how you get picked it's it's very it can be draining but also the mindset that i have is there is everything for everyone and if that if someone books that scene with that person i will just get another scene no one's taking anything from me i don't take anything from anyone and there's There's enough it's plenty to go around yeah. Plenty. Yes. I feel too that it's it's almost like, uh, you know, it's the mainstreamification of tattoos in general that's been going on for the past, you know, 10 to 20 years. Mainstream jobs are, it's like if you want to have employees, you're going to have to start being okay with hiring people who have tattoos. Um, And I feel like with porn, it's just, it's becoming similar. You know, I I used to see for sure that, you know, girl, girl porn would almost never have, uh, you know, tattooed girls like, uh, and then I think I started noticing like Mike Quasar, like he was hiring and putting together a heavily tattooed girl with a girl that maybe didn't have that many tattoos. And it was just like, here's a girl, girl scene. And I'm like, I love to see that. Like, it doesn't have to be that the the theme is like, oh, a tattooed girl with a not tattooed girl. It's just like, here's two girls fucking. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I just actually did an adult time massage scene with Sonia Harcourt, and she has some tattoos. But I really liked the theme where like, okay, I normally play either the girl that gets cheated on or I am the aggressor just because mm-hmm. of how I look. And I was so mm-hmm. fortunate for the scene that we did because also these scenes are like, you know, massage tricks client into fucking this wasn't mm-hmm. that i it was like they wanted it to be like a oh you're like i normally massage your sister and your sister's not here and i'm like oh maybe i will take a massage and the next thing i know i'm like wait my sister she gets what kind of massage and she's touching my pussy and i'm like oh well i want this massage and sonia's like yeah and like yeah. it was just like I just loved how um, consensual the scene was and it's how nice. it wasn't not focused on our tattoos. And they said that and it was so nice. They're like, I'm sure that because of this, but instead they put me in like a bright pink shirt and bright pink shorts. And I was like, yeah. I looked stunning. So, you know, my tattoos, <laughs> okay. like, you know, I know that, that I love them. And like some, I've said in the past, like, oh, I, you know, I wish I didn't have them. And I only say that sometimes because, like, I wish I could cover them up to do a scene. And 
Right. Maybe it's possible, but also that's like probably a lot of time with an airbrush to cover everything. And it would come right off, girl. Just like when I've tried to cover the many bruises I always have on my legs, it's like it's better to it's just impo- leave the you know, and I right. I yeah. I drool. I'm a, I can't stop drooling when I do a scene and I squirt ever ending, so it's impossible. Yeah, it's just gonna rub Fair. off. Yeah. We're just making messes yeah. over here, so it's fine. <laughs> um so yeah, the uh we have to get to the questions soon because I'm pretty sure that we could talk forever. But let's – I want. I do want to uh, talk about Folsom a little bit. It sounds like you oh, yeah. kind of always had some kinkiness within you, uh, like pretty much most of your life. <laughs> yes. So this is your first time going to Folsom. I've never been there. It looks like such a queer, kinky, utopian. <laughs> You'll have to come with us next year. I would so, so much love to. So, yeah, what was that like for you? And, t- t- like, I saw the P video on Twitter where you you pissed on Lydia and Layla was there. And just you both – everybody has the biggest smiles on their face and pure joy. I, I mm-hmm. loved, like, um, you know, what you were talking about before, like, when you were there, it's – it's that feeling because I've experienced this too in different places where it's like, like if I've been at a sex party or like a kinky club or even just at like a goth night at a club, I feel like I'm, I'm with my people and that yes. feels so affirming um, and validating. I'm going to tell you my favorite part of the day. Yeah. I was in a sheer bodysuit. My ass was hanging out. Titties. And not a single person cat called me. I was walked up to kindly and I was told how nice I looked and how great my outfit was. But I was there all day and I was not gawked at. I was not – I did not feel like a piece of meat. And mind you, yes, I was around a lot of gay men. But like these gay men, it's – they they recognize beauty. They're they're humans. Right. And, yeah. and I'm, so I'm there with, and, and I just got smiles and, yeah. you know, it was loving and that's what I really enjoyed about the day wholly. But the details of it was, um, we worked, uh, not even worked. We did a performance for, um, over at the filthy femdom in the collective corruption oh. me- mega booth that they set up for the first time this year, um, wow. ran by, Five Star and Aiden Star was there. Ruckus. Um, oh, I know. My favorite Aiden, people. Aiden finally introduced herself to me because Yay. every time I am on a set, someone says, You look just like Aiden, <laughs> a young Aiden. And Aiden finally said, She's like, I see pictures of you. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you do look like me when I was younger. Yes. And um, totally. it was a really, really great moment. But, you know, it was so amazing being around. Aiden and um, Cam Damage was there and an amazing, mm. amazing performance performer. And I know they're not really, I don't know. I think that may have been his first live performance ever, um, mm-hmm. but it was amazing to be a part of that. And Hazel oh, and Lucas wow, yeah. who run the collective, they did a really great job making sure everyone's needs were met and accommodations were met. Yeah. There were some people just who didn't want to be filmed for safety purposes. And they were sure. so respectful to not like, you know, record it live and, and all that jazz. So yeah, I got to do a performance with, with Frankie and I got to, you know, this is my first live performance as a Dom and I got to 
you know, beat the crap out of his dick on, on the stage while Layla got her ass beat by Lydia um, next to each other. And then they did, Layla and Lydia did some electro play and I suffocated Frankie with a plastic bag over his head while I was punching his dick. And it was wow. just, yeah, it was a really, it, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Every, you know, I'm, and, and that's the other thing I think people, um, this is, this is just one last thing um, that I will share that I think is important with this. When I'm doing this with Frankie, I am constantly in his ear. How is this? Are you okay? I'm checking, checking in. in. How, are you, how are you feeling? Kiss on the forehead. It's all yeah. about making sure everyone is still okay throughout a really intense scene like this. So yes. with that, I have been working um, and hopefully we'll be working more with a friend of mine who has their PhD in education out in Denver. And they have been asked to start to try to put together a curriculum for consent culture. So mm-hmm. I have been asked as a porn star to try to um, give some insight on what consent is. Um, there seems to be from what I have been told, I should look at the studies myself, but there are studies that say that a lot of young adults, teenagers into college, they don't understand consent because you go on porn or Pornhub, you watch a video and you go, wow, I want to do that. And it's first off, it starts as first off, I'm not seen as a person in my video. So this person who's watching this video wants to just do this act to someone else. Doesn't matter. That's very, it's a very selfish act. So I wish that within consent culture, we could teach that while we're making these scenes, we're still doing, you know, consent talks before scenes. It's very important. And it's a side of the industry we don't talk about um, for whatever reason. And I want to talk more about it. But nonetheless, this consent culture we're hoping reaches all the way to kindergarten, you know, te- teaching yeah. all the way from kindergarten. No, I don't want to hug. Yes, you can yes. hug me. And then all the totally. way to middle school on what consent is. And, you know, I think that if we could start at a young age about what is real consent up into our industry, I think there would be a lot of more understanding. But with that becomes uh, trying to make normal people recognize sex workers as humans too. There's a lot intertwined, but nonetheless, I just <laughs> yeah, wanted for sure. to wrap that up and briefly throw out there that I hope that in the next year or two, that more will come to fruition from what I'm working on and, I hope other people are excited and would want to hear more about that. So that that hopefully will be a podcast for me in the future, but we'll see. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh, I hope so. Yeah. And that's just such a like that consent culture, like not necessarily being about fucking only being about touching, being about hugging, being about like any number of things. Um, And that that can start doesn't have to give you a kiss at dinner if you don't want Jack to. And, and you don't okay have to, to kiss that. grandma if you don't no. want to, uh, you know, no. that's, it should never be forced upon a child, a young person to do literally anything that they don't want to do because that can be traumatic. And it, and it is in a lot of cases. And, and right, by the way, yeah. talk, talking about that stuff is not grooming. Giving children sex education is not grooming. That is teaching someone how to be confident in their own body, how to understand what they really want and what they really don't want. Like these are things that like we would be a much healthier society if we did talk about these things and we did educate I, properly. hundred percent. Like, right. I wish that some of my sex education had started 
not even sex. I don't, I don't know the exact words to, to use. So I will use sex education, but nonetheless, I wish something of that was integrated from the time you do start school because maybe in the fourth grade, I, because I am watching Britney Spears dance super hot at 17 mm-hmm. years old, maybe, maybe I'm not going to go on Pornhub and, or, or excuse me, on HBO, you know, late night and watch a porno of Jenna Jameson. And when I'm right. nine years old, it's, yeah. there was just so, that was what we were talking about. I was like, well, I was exploring. Cause I didn't, I didn't know how, and I yeah. wish that we got to explore differently. You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah, not that I regret 100%. it, but like, no, but right. it could have been better. They could have been yeah. demystified, you know? Yes. Um, that's such a great word. Yeah. 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 So with all of that said, yeah. let's uh, answer a couple of questions uh, that I got from some people on Twitter. So these are just anonymous. Hey, Sin, I have been a longtime fan of your content and hearing that you're starting a podcast, I wanted to ask. My partner is very willing when it comes to my kinks and things I want to try out. But when I ask her, she avoids the topic. And even during sex, if I ask her if she wants a different position, it's always if that's what you want or some variation. How would you go about talking with a partner like this to let them know that I just want to know how to please them best? (laughs) So um, I can speak from a little bit of experience. I mean, this even still happens with me to this day sometimes. Uh, We do, when my partner and I have sex, we do a lot of position switching. And so, you know, sometimes there will be like, okay, well, how do you want it? And I'm just like, I don't fucking know. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah, because I think, and so I want to say that there might be some of that going on, right? That uh, maybe she's just overwhelmed by the, not necessarily overwhelmed, but she's really wrapped up in the moment yeah i've been there yeah really feeling um you know deep into her like fantasy zone into her pleasure zone um and you know maybe just doesn't have like the headspace to be like well i want this or i want this like maybe at the time it's just like well whatever's happening it's all good with me so i get that a little bit but um but i do understand your frustration as well you know because it, it does feel like there's a a barrier there where you what you really want to be asking what it sounds like what you want to know yeah is what do you get off on um yeah and so i'm curious if they've even had that conversation i think that what's helped me in my new relationship is we have explored you know new things that honestly we haven't um i think it really just takes sitting down before you're intimate and um, really having like an actual face-to-face discussion that's just as like, you know, hey, I love you. You know that these things are what I really like. I am really curious about what you really like. If that causes some kind of, um, I feel like if there is a barrier there and she's having a hard time communicating you know, perhaps there is some trauma from the past that is preventing this conversation from happening. And you can also suggest saying like, hey, um, maybe we could just talk to a sex therapist or a sex coach and you could talk to them alone and talk about Mm -hmm. what you need to talk about so you can help communicate that to me. Yeah, like get comfortable with communicating about sexuality. 
Like without yeah, that pressure and, of it being like with your partner, you know, yeah. right off the bat. And I understand how hard that can be. I've definitely been in a relationship where I was very frustrated because I was very, I didn't know how to have these talks. And I felt like, you know, I would lock myself in the bathroom and cry because I'd have hot laundry on and I wouldn't know how to go out and make a move and advance on my partner. And, yes. you know, that really took me being able to take a step back and wondering what's going on in my head. And for me, it was, I was trying so hard with this person and they were clearly not communicating to me what it was. And I was trying and I was trying. So finally I just had to sit down and just write. I had to say, you know, what can we do? Like, what can we do? We were able to in short, I'm not short, but tiny steps, you know, it's not like we were just like, yeah. And it's like, okay, well maybe we could try that next time when we're in bed. And Mm -hmm. if you like it, then great. And Mm -hmm. you know, if, like I said, if you don't want to, if you don't want to go to a therapist and and do that, ask questions, um, um, loving questions, uh, interested questions, um, Mm -hmm. you know, very like not I statements in this regard. It would be like, what yes. can I, what can I do for you? What can mm-hmm. I help you with to get your pleasure? What is there more that I am maybe not doing? And maybe even like not open ended questions like that, right? Like maybe you can, okay. maybe you can ask those same questions, but almost in like a yes or no, so that the, mm. the per- so that your partner doesn't have to come up with these big answers, you know, what are you doing? Okay, well, you're doing this, or you're not doing this. Like, sometimes that can be the part that's like tripped up on and difficult to say, you know, so what if it's like, well, okay, what if I did blah, 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 would that be okay with you? And then that way they can say like, yes or no. Or you could be like, what if I tried this and that? Uh, How would that make you feel kind of like, would, you know, would that turn you on? And then that way she could just be like, not really, or Yes, definitely. Um, The other thing I want to address is how it says, like, when I ask her, she avoids the topic. I I think that, like, that the conversation that needs to take place is that, you know, hey, babe, can we sit and talk for a minute? So you turn off the TV, you go sit on the couch, you know, you you put the dog away, you put the kids to bed, like whatever the situation is. Put her feet on your lap, rub her feet a little. Exactly. Yes. So make that physical connection. So, you know, so she knows that you're there for her physically, emotionally. And then that way, like she can't avoid the topic. She can't just run away from you. You know, when you sit and you say like, hey, I, I can see that you're up for these things. And that means a lot to me. But I want to know, you know, what are what are your fantasies? Um, you know, so and things like that. And then she's there. You're rubbing her feet. She can't just change the subject on you. You know, she can't avoid the topic like she's got to be confronted, but not in a way that's, you know, like aggressive or argumentative it's like you're just loving this, a loving yes yeah. exactly and you're coming from this place of love and you want to connect with her more and you want to make sure that you're giving her the pleasure that she wants to and the other thing is that like you know sometimes 
we don't really know exactly what's going to turn us on. I mean, especially if we haven't explored that a lot with ourselves, like, you know, whatever her background might be. So maybe, you know, you're the one who's who can be introducing her to this stuff. And then it, give her some time and maybe like within the next year or however long, maybe she starts to see, oh, I have agency in these things. And oh, when you do this or we play this game, I have to admit that I do really like it or this style of things I don't really like. And then, but I, I definitely think she should be feeling empowered to use, to use her voice. And I think maybe like sitting her down in that loving scenario and, you know, physically giving her affection, you know, making sure that it's just the two of you and you won't be interrupted and she's got nowhere else to go. <laughs> you know, I think, I think she can also, get there. I think also just one more thought to this. Mm-hmm. I just had an, a thought, um, you know, in the past two, I guess I could say I've had trouble um, talking so totally. maybe you could even go, and I'm sure it's accessible online, and you could get the kink.com. They have a consent checklist. You could print oh, a ch- you, yes. You just print this out and say, hey, you know, if you don't want to talk, maybe you could just look at this list and, and you know, we could talk about the things that you might find interesting, or maybe you could just write it down and give it back to me, and then I can look mm-hmm. at it, and we can then talk about it. Um, yeah. If it's scary, if it's scary for her to have that face to face, like what might feel like a confrontation, even though it's a hundred percent not a confrontation, totally. maybe it's like, hey, babe, I I want to know so much more about you. This is this consent list that I got with all these different sexual acts, and I'm curious if maybe you might want to take a look and and let me know if there's anything on it you might want to try. So that, I, or I think those are two you can just bigger. fill fill this out. And yeah. take a couple of days and then give yeah. it back to me. And that Absolutely. way she can take it and do it like in private. That yeah. is such a great idea, Kaya. I love that. <laughs> yeah. It just honestly came to me because I have, I actually, yeah. I remember in some of my past relationships, I didn't necessarily need a consent checklist, but I needed to communicate to them and I didn't know how. And having that yes. face-to-face talk was scary. So I would say, totally. hey, I can't find my words. Is it okay if I write you a long text? And that usually mm-hmm. worked. I, would, I wouldn't I would just also bombard. It was, hey, I'm going to give this to you. So, yeah. you know, even like a, hey, babe, I, I have this for you. I'm going to leave it here on the table. Can you check it out sometime in the next week or two at your leisure and maybe give it back to me? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Uh, I love that. I love that so much. Great answer. Got you. <laughs> we got there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we got one more. Hi, Sin. I'm 19 and have been in a relationship with my girlfriend for a little bit over a year. We're both virgins, but we give head to each other a lot. When she gives me a BJ, I sadly have a tendency to moan. She thinks it's cute and calls me submissive quite a lot. During the last two months, she's been talking about pegging me and regularly does degrading things to me gives me foot jobs, spits in my mouth while we're making out, grabs my balls out of nowhere, etc. Basically, her idea is that pegging would be our primary way of having sex, and that after she pegs me, I can, quote, maybe sometimes fuck her. I'm fine with being the sub in the relationship, but I think that she wants me to never fuck her. What do you think? What should I do? Should I let her, quote, be the man? Uh, P.S. Sorry for my bad English or if it's too long. 
I think the English was totally fine and it definitely wasn't too long. But yeah, there's definitely a lot to unpack here. Uh, and I, I, unfortunately, you know, we don't have uh, phone conversations here and not live call-ins or anything like that. But because there's so many follow-up questions here. I mean, uh, is the goal to remain virgins until you like get married to someone or, or like, you know, what's what's the sort of virginity? What's the motivation sort of behind yeah. that? Yeah. And also, oh, and the other thing being how he said, uh, I sadly have a tendency to moan. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, moan. I, moan, fucking moan, please moan. Like, I think but that I, is, that's hot. <laughs> I will say just be, just because like, you know, you moan, that doesn't mean you're submissive. And, you know, you're oh, only night if you, if you're only 19, I'm, I feel yeah. like I was just discovering who I was at 19. And oh my gosh. if you feel, if you feel submissive at this point in your life, like that is acceptable a hundred percent, but just know you are allowed to grow and be switchy. And mm-hmm. it sounds, it sounds kind of like there's a struggle between the, the dynamic. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, I think that is just a conversation, like that is a conversation where you have to have with her to sort out, like, like you said, wh- what is the the uh, motivating fac- factor by saying that you're virgins? So mm-hmm. is that, is you getting pegged a way of you r- having your virginity remain and then maybe one right. day you guys can, I I am, you know, I, I don't know what definition of virginity we're using, I suppose. Like, again, that, yeah. (laughs) In the totality of things, I think always the best way to handle things is to sit down and have the most honest, communicative conversation with your partner that you can have, even in the most uncomfortable times, because, Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe you find out some great things that you're like, oh, wow, that's really exciting. Or you might hear things that go, hmm, that maybe that isn't me. And you've just started living. You're just a baby. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Just getting going. Yeah. I I definitely felt felt that a lot too um, with the, with the 19 thing. And yeah. So yeah. So like, don't worry too much, you know, it's it's all going to be okay. (laughs) For real. I also don't, you know, the only indication I kind of get, um, is when you know he says i i don't i don't mind being the sub Mm -hmm. um and so then i'm like okay do you not mind it he says i'm fine with being the sub in the relationship so i'm like right are you fine with it is this just something you're like well i I can tolerate this or are you enthusiastically enjoying being the sub in the relationship like when she does these degrading things to you does that turn you on? Is that hot for you? Or are you just like gritting your teeth and bearing it for the sake of the relationship? Um, that That is not clear in this question. So I, I think that if if the answer is the latter and, and you are grit, gritting your teeth and just bearing it for the relationship, then I don't think that's going to work for you in the long run by any means. I also think that pegging is kind of a somewhat of a varsity level sort of kink game and just at least in the sense of you need to know 
are you okay with that? First of all, is that going to work for you sexually? And, and then anal, you know, I think a lot of guys watch girls fuck each other with strap-ons and think, oh, I want that from a girl. But they're not even considering the fact that a, that means that a dick-shaped object is going in your asshole. And that is not yeah. just something that you bend over and it slides right in. Like, <laughs> that takes preparation. If you don't want to mess, you have to uh, douche your ass. You have to watch what you're eating. And, you ha- and also, like, it's very uncomfortable. Uh, you have to start somewhere and then <laughs> grow and like practice and, you know, you're not just going to stick a dick in there and be taking it like, whoa, this is fun and great. Like it, it can be, uh, but it right. takes a little bit of, you know, working up to that point. Um, but I think that the crux of the question here is kind of more like, is this girl ever going to actually fuck me? It's very hard to tell. <laughs> it is hard to tell. Um, I guess what I will, well, I'll just add is um, if you like and love this degradation that is happening to you, that is great. You should embrace totally that about valid. yourself. Love yeah. it. If that, that's, you know, that's also what I'm wondering is, do you like this? What level of enjoyment and are, are you getting from all this? And if yeah. you're saying, oh, I'm fine being, being the sub, are you fine? Or are you dealing or are you are you fine because you feel insecure about being a sub? Just right. know that you are valid as a, a man as that's mm-hmm. valid. Okay. Absolutely. But it is also okay if you feel that's not you to keep exploring. There is nothing in this world I have learned that is worth staying unhappy for you need to be happy for yourself so just totally and that again that's something that I learned in my 20s coming into my 30s you know that it was just like wait a minute how long am I going to be miserable for how long am I going to be okay with being miserable for you know and and uh, as it's not supposed to be that hard Exactly. That isn't. <laughs> Haley Williams from Paramore said it best on her first album. It's just not supposed to be this hard. And it's I promise true. you guys, it's not. It's really not. Yeah, so it, it's that's not, what it yeah. sounds like to me. It sounds like it's hard mm-hmm. and you don't know why it's hard. And you know what? Yeah. It shouldn't be. Shouldn't yeah, I mean, be. that is the bottom line. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Yeah. So, you know, if you're at a space where, and I, I, again, you know, the answer just kind of comes to this where it's like, listen, turn off the TV, get rid of everything else, sit down in front of me and be like, I need to know from you, like, this sub thing is fun. I like how we're exploring with this. Um, I'm open to the idea of getting pegged from you someday, but I also want to have sex with you. I also want to put my penis inside your vagina. <laughs> like, is that something right. we are going to get to? Um, and I'm, I'm not like pressuring you if you don't feel like you're ready, but we are in a relationship and I just want to know, like, what can I expect? Is, is this all I can expect for our whole relationship or are we going to move other places? Do I get to try some of the things that I'm interested in as well? And, right. you know, I think like, listen to that answer, um, pay attention to her body, pay attention to the things she says, hopefully, you know, yeah, you could have more fun together. <laughs> right. Um, like being open-minded, but also making sure that you're, you that you are having your needs fulfilled. And I think doing that for each other is, is important, but also just remember that 
you know, you're 19. There's a very good chance that this is not the person you're going to marry and be with for the rest of your life. You'll probably good have chance. lots of relationships. <laughs> that's good, um, as you should. Go live your life and yeah. have fun. Yeah, and, and that's okay. I've so, yeah, hopefully, you know, you don't feel too much pressure, you know, one way or the other. But yeah. try, hopefully you're, you're having fun. <laughs> you're having fun. And we are having fun. And it has been just like such an absolute blast. Uh, thank you so much. I think this has just been a, a, a beautiful, awesome inaugural episode of Sage Advice. And please do tell all the listeners exactly where they can find all of your awesome stuff. I have a link site. If you want to just go to a link page, it is thekayaeve.com, K-A-I-I-A-E-V-E, thekayaeve.com. That brings you to my landing page of all my social medias, all my clips pages, all that jazz. And you can also find my personal membership website. You can buy my individual clips or you can join for a monthly membership price to watch my porn anytime you want. All of the videos at KayaEve.com. So um, yeah, those are all the places that you can definitely find all my shit. So come find me. Let me know you found me on here. Oh, yeah. And uh, so your Twitter, your Instagram, all those things are on that as well. That is all. Yep. So Twitter is just uh, at Kaya underscore Eve. My Instagram's a little different since I've gotten deleted four times. So my new one is <laughs> yeah. At, that's it's what it that's is. Very it's common. At, that's very common for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. That is a whole other conversation. Um. Yeah. But yeah, it's um at Pro Cunt, uh, but spelled P R zero C V N T as my Instagram. I do have a TikTok too, but I hardly update it. So it's just Kaya Eve. Um, that's, I think those are the important ones. Awesome. Well, I hope uh, everyone will go out and find your stuff because I just think you're so awesome. You're so real and down to earth and you, you know, you tell it like it is. And I appreciate your authenticity. Uh, Cause you Same know, I'm big you. on that. Yeah, well, you are you are an inspiration to me, and you are those things too. So, oh shucks. (laughs) Well, well, you uh, go out and you make that awesome porn, and thank you everyone for listening. And we will definitely see you next time on Sage Advice.